Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we are doing a special two-part episode. We watched Suspiria, directed by Dario Argento and released in 1977, and Suspiria, directed by Luca Guadagnino and released in 2018. The plot of both movies goes something like this. An American newcomer to a prestigious German ballet academy comes to realize that the school is a front for something sinister. While I was reading that, I just remembered my reaction to discovering that the school was in Germany while watching the whole movie thinking it was in Italy because that was the only thing that made sense. (laughs) I think I might have actually even noticed some of the things that you pointed out to me afterwards, but like because it couldn't, it didn't make sense with what was going on in the movie, I was like, no, it's just in Italy. (laughs) So just to be clear to the listeners, what we're going to do this week is we've seen the 1977 version of Suspiria at a recent Italian film festival. So we're recording now while it's still relatively fresh in our minds, but about three or four weeks' time, there's going to be a remake of Suspiria directed by Luca Guadagnino coming out, and we are going to review that when it comes out. But we thought we'd put both uh, movies in the one episode because that would be an interesting exercise to do. Yes, and that way we can um, compare and contrast and also, uh, you know, not waste anybody's time with reviews of old movies that they haven't seen. Indeed. So... (laughs) Rather than doing the the usual spoiler-free section up front, we'll just say that this is a a classic of cinema and if you're into movies and a bit of a film nerd, you should probably see it. Mm. But we'll probably talk spoilers from now on for the older film. Yeah, and also if you haven't seen the – how do I put this? We're going to give spoilers for the older film. Spoilers for the older film will probably be spoilers for the newer film. Yes. So if you haven't seen the new Suspiria and you want to and you can't be bothered seeing the old one, then go see that first and listen to this afterwards anyway because I'm sure that there are similar plot points and things and we don't want to end up accidentally spoiling you for the new one while talking about the old one. That is a very good point. So from now we will talk spoilers. Yeah, yeah so I... I hadn't seen Suspiria. I'd wanted to see it for a while. But, like, I think maybe we were a bit better prepared than some of the other people in the audience. But I don't think that anything can fully prepare you for the experience that is watching Suspiria for the first time. I certainly wasn't. I think there's a lot of things in there that are quite challenging to a modern audience. (laughs) To a modern English-speaking audience who's trying to watch this movie, which is in English, which I didn't know. And nobody can speak English particularly well, well every, except for the lead. Every, and everyone recorded their – oh, well, no, they didn't record on set. Everyone said spoke their dialogue on set in their native language and then dubbed over it later. Was it in their native language? Because there's some things where – According it, to the IMDb trivia, yes. Wow, okay. Which is basing it on an interview with um, Jessica Harper. Okay, because there's some things where it does look like the things that they're saying match up, sort of. Yeah. Except for that one guy – at the at the um, university, which we'll get to later, yeah. but it doesn't look like does look like a lot of the time they do match up. But the thing is, one of the major plot points does not match up, and that is weird. Um, so there's a whole plot point about how, as the main character, who's not Pat, the only one I remember is Pat. <laughs> For some reason. Pat, the one that gets murdered? Yes, she's the one who gets murdered at the beginning of the movie. Mm. And she's the only one whose name I remember. I think it's so... The main character is, um, oh God, uh, Susie. Susie, okay. Yeah, Susie. I think it's because it's so incongruous. Like the woman is so obviously not a Pat that it just sticks in my head that mm. that was her name, you know? Um, so yeah, Susie sees Pat um, leaving the school and she says she heard her mumbling some things that didn't make sense and one of the words was Iris. Mm. 
but then at the end of the movie, it shows you the full thing that, that Pat said, and it doesn't match up at all with, like, so the audio doesn't match up at all with what we're seeing her lips, a close-up of her, just mm. her mouth saying, which is like, why do a close-up of somebody's mouth completely out of sync with the dialogue? Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And it's so distracting. And the actress playing, playing Pat was Swedish, so she may have done her lines in, in sweet, in, like, she may not have done her lines in English, who knows. If everybody was speaking their own language, wouldn't he have had to translate the script into like 50 different languages to give to everybody? I'm I'm not sure. It's possible that maybe I misread that, but it's – let me just look it up and find it But while I'm thinking about it. It's not that I don't believe you. It's just that I'm I'm confused about the logistics of how that would work. I I would also be very confused about – Or like he told it to translators on – Yeah, or they all all learned it like just – phonetically like if they couldn't speak english very well then that would make their sense lines to phonetically me. that makes more sense to me um uh, that's how um um keithley kwan learned a lot of his lines for indiana jones in the temple of doom mm. just fyi um yeah because he couldn't read english very well yet or anything so he learned a lot of them phonetically mm. but yeah that would that would oh, i know it's i can understand it's so the the actual thing that it says is in an interview jessica harper said that many of the actors spoke different languages during shooting mostly italian and german and it would make communicating difficult at times. Yeah, you think? Uh, <laughs> however, since the film would be dubbed into English for American release, it was deemed not to be an issue during filming. So I don't know that that's exactly what – I think it might be more that maybe they were all just doing their lines phonetically and they yeah. didn't necessarily understand. I think that – Still, awkward. Yes. Um, I, yeah, because I, I, I just don't see how it would work logistically to have all those people speaking different languages mm. to try and film a movie with yeah. a script because – in spite of the fact that it's um, sometimes confusing and difficult to watch, it the words they say are, say are important. They don't sound ad-libbed or mm. like, you know, and, and they drive the plot. Yeah, I actually found the words a bit awkward. If they it, are sounded, awkward. it was really awkward. Like it sounded like it had been written for a novel and then just was, you know, said by people. Or written by somebody whose second language was English, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. And then there was also then, and they'd also written in like weird reactions, like "Oh, it's you," yeah. and that, that just was so weird. Which were that one was said by Olga, who's kind of my low key favorite character from this oh, whole thing, definitely, because she she like she looks after Susie for one night, and then as soon as a room frees up at the ballet school, she's like sends Susie stuff over, complete, and and then just completely departs the scene. Love Olga. I don't know if it's necessarily true that she did send Susie's stuff over mm. because they they tell her. Oh, they tell her that. But that. also but I would because buy Because Olga's it. partly outside of the mm. academy, they may be trying to distance her from Susie, in which case they may have just told her something different to what they told Susie. I mean, it, it, I, I also low-key buy it. Well, not low-key, high-key, buy it completely because Olga is just like, oh, who is this crazy, naive American I have to put up with? Is she? I thought she kind of liked her. She seemed to kind of like her. Like she was talking about, they were talking about the cute boy and all that stuff. And I, I think she was just kind of, you know, bitchy and yeah, and, and but also but, smart enough to live off campus and smart enough to live off campus. Yes, but I also, I, I wasn't. It, I mean, it, that just seemed like they were lying to Susie right. because they were lying about everything else. So, you know, and they wanted to keep her on the campus. So they may have just also lied to Olga or whatever. Mm told her that Susie wanted to live on campus and just taken the stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I can also see Olga being like, oh, good, I got rid of her. I don't have to look after her in my apartment anymore. A crazy apartment with that wallpaper. It was, <laughs> it was like trees. The sets were so intensely decorated. Mm. Like everyone talks about the colours from this film, but it starts with the sets. Mm. Like the, that red building that was the um, that was the ballet school and some of the – just the way everything was decorated. There was no room that was left unwallpapered mm. or uncarpeted or anything. So, well, no, there was. And this oh, is, the attic. Yes. That's what I was going to say because when all of the colour and the, like, overwhelming wallpaper and decoration and everything mm. that's constantly hitting your eyes stops, then the movie suddenly becomes, like, ten times spookier. Yeah, um, yeah, and the it also happens. Stuff is so well done. It's the attic, but it also happens with um, the blind guy when he dies. Mm. Um, he's in that big open space, mm, mm. which is like almost scarier than some of the claustrophobic stuff because, like, yeah, he's all alone and it's nighttime and you know something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that one's really good. And apparently, watching that, I was like, oh, that's definitely a set. But it is actually like a real place. Like they actually mm. filmed that on location, which play, messes with my mind because it looks like the only part of the film that was shot on location is the bit where they go to the convention to meet the yeah meet, to meet the friend of of Sarah's and then the other weird old professor guy. Sarah, okay, that's the other friend. Yeah, Sarah's like, the the annoying friend. No, oh, she's she's very irritating. But I think that also might have I don't know. It might have been a mismatch with the actress and the voice person. Mm. Because it, she just sounds so off mm. and, like, the words are so off. But she is very irritating. Yeah, I think I, I kind of got put off. Even, like, that first meeting with her where she's poking her tongue out and going, like, Bleh, at the other friend. Oh, yeah, because she's so sensitive. Yeah. And they um, act like two-year-olds. Yeah. Yes. Also, from the IMDb trivia about this is apparently he wanted to make this about a ballet school for, like, actual 12-year-olds. And the – Producer was like, um, you can't make a horror movie with 12-year-old children in it. Fair. So he just was like, okay, let's make them like 19. Yeah. And so they, they have the silly like dialogue and some of the behaviors of 12-year-old girls. That makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It makes sense with a lot of their behaviors actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they're always hanging out in each other's rooms and the way that they talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. And she would probably be less annoying as a 12-year-old, I think, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that they just didn't change the script at all no. for it to be 19-year-olds instead. Well, the funniest bit of that story is the producer who said, um, dude, you can't make a horror movie with 12-year-olds, was Dario Argento's father, Salvatore Argento, <laughs> who's the producer on it. There's like a thousand Argentos on yes. the front of this movie. I, l- I enjoyed watching the credits and just going, oh, look, another Argento. Um, passion project. Yeah. So we have to kind of move past the dialogue a bit, I think, or else we could really talk about it all night because there's a lot going on there. Mm. But there's also a lot going on in the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. And I think the movie was so, so great and so fun and so enjoyable when nobody was talking. Like when in the the horror scenes, mm. it just was so clever, yeah, and so well done. You yeah, know? It, atmosphere building was just amazing. That first death really got me. Mm. Um, where it builds up and builds up, and then you get a little reprieve, and then bang, the arm comes through the window. Yeah. I assume it's Pavlos who kills her. But he, it, I no, it's um, it's um, the witch, the old witch, right? The black queen. Yeah, yeah, but she because the I, arm. And she, nobody can get up there. That's the whole reason why it's so scary. Oh, I see. I thought she'd sent him anyway. 
because the arm looked so masculine and hairy. And yeah. In fact, because of that one and then the second death with the dog, I assumed this was a werewolf movie for about two-thirds of the movie. I was like, oh, we're going to have a reveal about a werewolf. <laughs> Us and werewolves on both of the movies mm. that we watched. Um, but anyway, no, um, yeah, it does look like a werewolf um to me as yeah. well like the, the the long nails and the hairiness and everything yeah but it is they, the they do a show a, they show a close-up of her arms and her hands mm-hmm. when we see her at the end of the film and that's what she looks like right yeah so it's the witch that looks like that and it also makes sense because there's the reason that that's such a shock that an arm comes from the window is because she's up at this high window and there's no ledge below her Right? Like, there's no way for a person to be there. Oh, I just assumed there was a ladder. Okay. And that's why I assumed it was Pavlos, because you see Pavlos walking around with a ladder and stuff, and he does, like, maintenance things at the school. Right, I get it. That's why I was I was like, no, who has access to a ladder? It's supernatural. The witch does yeah, it by, yeah. like, like, flying levitating. over. Yeah. yeah. But then what happens right after that was really baffling to me, mm. because then she sort of flails around against a wall that we've never seen and doesn't match any of the apartment that we've just seen, and you're like... Where are you? Did you shoot this get later? Like, like, where did she suddenly magic herself to? And then she falls through the roof? Yeah, into the sort of atrium of the building and then through is, the hangs it, they, then he hangs it, or the witch hangs it from the ceiling. It's Yeah, and but how? How did that happen? Like, it's so confusing. Yeah, there's a lot of Also, everybody crossing. talks about her death, but the girl who she was talking to, her weird hysterical friend... Who was the worst actress in the whole movie? Mm-hmm. Dies as well. Yeah, she does. And nobody talks about it. And she dies with some of the best makeup in the whole movie. Yeah, but she's also some of the worst acting. She's oh, so yeah. bad. You just want to get off the screen. You're like, who? What is going on here? Yeah. As an introduction to the movie, it's it's a real eye opener. Yeah. Um, but she had that makeup job on her with the piece of glass in her face is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. great. But yeah, very. Um, very much a terrible actress although it's we do see a little bit of Susie before that and she's fine yes Jessica Harper yeah Jessica she's really good like really big anime eyes perfect for a horror heroine yeah and she I think she's you know she does a perfectly fine job through Mm. the whole movie like Mm. she doesn't have a lot to do as a character yeah but her reactions and everything and she is much more obviously much more natural <laughs> mm. in terms of when she speaks, so she's much more likable. Yeah, um, definitely than a lot of the other ones. But I also thought that the um, German lady was oh, quite yeah, good. Yeah. The head teacher, whatever her name is. Yes. Who I don't. Oh, Miss Tanner. Miss Tanner. That's it. She was actually yeah a very different type of acting style. I think to. Um, Jessica Harper, who was coming from a more American. Oh, yeah, I, it's very like that sort of mid-century European. Like this is clearly a very mid-century European film, especially mm. in the way in the aesthetic, and all uh, most of the actors are like that, except for Jessica Harper, who's clearly very young and and more sort of modern, realistic style. Because the other American actress in it, um, Madame Blanc, yeah, who's she's sort of she she's in that sort of Grace Kelly mold mm. of like. East Coast, slightly posh accent um, mm. and slightly mannered style. Joan Bennett is the actress's name. So they, they do kind of come across very differently to all the Europeans who are more heightened and like expressionistic. Yeah. But I think that that works quite well with Miss Tanner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think she's, of all of the more expressionistic 
actors in the mm. film, she's the best one. Yes. Because she makes it work for this very kind of um, angry, um, upright woman. Yeah. That uh, her kind of – her style of histrionic suits it quite well, especially when she yells at the blind guy when her, her nephew gets bitten by his dog. Mm was very good that was a she becomes very scary in that scene you yeah know? but nowadays that kind of a german woman character would be a bit of a cliche with the like sort of military bearing and the sensible shoes and the height and like she's very tall and also like muscly in mm. comparison to everyone else although one of my observations about the younger women is that they were all like they actually just twig thin like mm. they look like ballerinas so in comparison to the rest of them, she's probably just average sized, but she looks bigger and, and stuff like that. But that, that character of like, I, I don't even know if there's a name for it, but I'm sure there is a TV trope for it of German women who were school mom type. Yeah. I, that's almost a cliche, but I like, like in Austin Powers. Yeah. But I almost feel like, yes, exactly. But I always feel like this is, it's not, wasn't at this point when, or when this was made, this, it may not have been such a cliche, uh, but it, it feels well, a bit that it, way. To it me. might have been, but she did it really well. Yes, <laughs> like even if it was a bit of a cliche, she's one of the standout roles. Like yep. me remembering the film back, I'm like, oh yes, the people who stand out to me more than Madame Blanc or anybody else, mm. it's Miss Tanner and Pat because the name is incongruous, and you know, yeah. Well, so then... she really kind of did a good job with the role. Yes, even and... if it is a cliche, which is saying something in this film. Yeah, and that 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 moment where she does turn on a dime at the the pianist is intense. Yeah, and early on when she makes um Susie keep dancing when she's not feeling well as well mm. is really good. Yeah. Um she has that you have that kind of sense that she's just she will just drive people into the ground. And and the way she throws her into the change rooms. She's like, "Oh, you can just borrow some shoes." Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I thought that was strange because I'm like, don't they go through so many pairs of shoes? Like, yeah, like professional ballerinas go through yeah. like a pair a week. It, yeah, that was crazy yeah. to me. But um, what was I going to say? I think she, yeah, I think of all of the, she was kind of the best of those actresses. Mm, yeah, yeah, and yep. but her, her style was quite different to Susie's. But that gives you a good sense of culture clash almost. Yeah, yeah, I think like. Even the acting styles are different, but it works quite well because Susie's such a fish out of water here. Yeah. And so to be surrounded by people who behave so differently to her would be quite a shock. Yes. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And I, I liked her character design as well. I just thought she looked good. Because especially if you compare her to that cook woman who shows up all the time, who yeah. is just so kind of immemorable and not scary. And yet there's so many like scary shots of her. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of my favorite shots of the movie is of her, but not because of her. It's the kid behind her. Oh. And, you know, when the first, when um, Susie gets sick mm. and the soundtrack screams, which at you. Yeah. Um, the kid behind her, she and the kid behind her start grinning for a second. Mm. And then the scene kind of shifts and they're not smiling anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's super, super creepy. But it's because of the kid, not really because of her. The yeah. kid was much better and he's barely in it. I know. Um, he, well, I mean, ha half of his creepiness is just in that he's so silent and he's dressed like it's 1847. Yes. But also that bit, um, it's, it's very quick and very subtle, mm -hmm. unlike a lot of the stuff in this movie. But it, it's creepy. Um, but yeah, I was every time she showed up, I was like, who is she again? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> and she's supposed to be, you know, very ominous. So, yeah. Mm. That's uh, like, the thing is this movie has, it's so creative. 
and mm. so interesting and also really fun to watch even in the bad parts because they're so bad. Yeah. But like it is kind of let down by the fact that a lot of the people can't uh, not good actors and no. the dialogue is not clear and everybody's saying things that don't match up with their lips and it's hard to follow. Yeah, I, I think the whole the dubbing conceit was a bad call on Argento's part. Mm. I just think uh, having a movie that's made to be dubbed is just a recipe for disaster and it yeah, it, it makes it quite hard to deal with. But I think we kind of, we've kind of circled back around again to where we were, which is to say that you can't focus on that too much because there's lots of other things that are quite good. Yes. So the horror scenes, hmm. um, which I think there are what, maybe three or four set pieces and then the big finale because mm. you've got the beginning um, and then the blind man's death mm-hmm. and then Sarah's death and then the finale. Is yep. that right? Did I miss any? No, I think that's it. Yeah. So I think of those, Sarah's death is the most effective. Mm. It is so good. <laughs> like that was the moment when I was – like that scene was mm. absolutely my favourite part of the movie when all the colour suddenly drains from this from the film as she goes up into that grey mm. attic and she's just being chased by this like relentless thing and, you know, she has to run away and then she sees the tiny window and she tries to climb up to it. And um, also the way that he used colour in that scene where like a yellow light meant – safety yeah and so like because there's no color and it's very dim then the lights and the colors are suddenly very meaningful yeah and he uses color like that through the yeah, whole there's thing a little red spot when she actually gets through the window and, and dies in the wire mm. um there's like this red spot yeah that's which just... is the danger red yeah. is danger so yeah that makes sense yeah she thinks that she's got safety and then she jumps down into the wire and she's done for mm-hmm. was very scary and interesting and cool the whole chase it. through the attic like there's she hides in a cupboard for a bit and gets chased out mm. of that and then she hides in a room for a bit and then 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 she escapes through that window like that the way he you know he constructs horror scenes or uh, the 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 death death horror scenes is so well done yeah the build-up of suspense um when the the blind pianist gets murdered by his dog as well that is the suspense of that scene is really good because he? He's I don't in this, think you could say he was murdered by his dog murdered, because the dog didn't. Indeed, the, the dog was being controlled to possess the dog. But that um, scene of he's he's sitting in the in this pub and there's all this dancing. It's all like full on Oktoberfest in there, and the contrast between walking being in this safe uh, place where there are lots of people and all this kind of stuff, even though it's not the nicest place. Like he clearly wants to get out of there because he's not in the mood for these jolly dancing people, but he gets out onto the street and he's the only person out there, just him Mm. and his dog. That sense of vulnerability is done really well. Yeah. With the really, really wide shots and him Mm. being tiny in the middle of the square and stuff like that. Yeah, Against these sort of big imposing edifices. Yeah. Mm. And the way he shoots the gargoyle and then he goes back to the gargoyle and it's not there and all that stuff, Mm. you know, it's, it's spooky and fun and really clever. Yeah. So again, yeah, when the movie's not talking, it's really good. And you don't know how it's going to happen either. You know, like the Mm. fact that the dog then turns on him is like kind of shocking and scary, even though it's been foreshadowed because you're waiting for, yeah. We felt bad for the dog. Yeah. I thought the dog was going to get killed. Yeah. But then the dog killed him and it's almost worse. Yeah. And then it's a puppet and then it's not scary anymore. But, you know, up until that point, when the very <laughs> obvious, like, person's oh. hand in a dog face puppet was yeah, around his like, neck. Uh. <laughs> it's like, okay, guys, okay. Yeah. And the colour of the blood as well kind of 
really once people actually got killed it suddenly became very unscary because there's just this like red paint everywhere yeah and you're like oh no that is not what blood looks like yeah um and it shows up the artifice of the film yes but the build-up to the killings was pretty great yes and the um first one too but then the finale is kind of anticlimactic kind of because i mean everything up to when um Susie comes across the black witch mm. is really scary yeah and then she does come across the black witch and it's again suddenly not scary at all mm. because she stabs her once everybody suddenly freaks out and that's it and the, cam- <laughs> and the house just catches on fire yeah and she's got to escape and that's it yeah it's like she doesn't really do anything mm. Again, so that build up of her getting into the, getting deeper and deeper into the school and, yeah. and getting closer and closer and seeing the witch behind the curtains and we can't see her yet. All that stuff is great. But then, you know, once we find her, it's and then, let down. Yeah, the invisible shape around her and stuff. But it would also have been just a little bit better if there was some chasing her through the, like, house or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, use that set a little more and make it a little bit scarier. Yeah, some kind of date, put her in a bit more peril down there. Yeah. Um, before so that, she has to, before she can defeat the witch. Right. Especially have her interact with the witch more as well because mm. they have one conversation and then she's gone. Mm. You know, this is the big build, this is the big thing that we've all been building up to. Mm. And, this, and then it's just it. done. Yeah. And we don't really ever get to learn what her plan was or anything mm. like that. You know, it's just done and then she's out of the building and it's finished and you're like oh yeah is that it oh that's it that's finished now yeah i thought you know the guy would come back or something else would happen yeah it was a bit like that yeah also the in um you know that one guy who she thought was cute at the beginning yeah yeah he kind of vanishes from the film a bit as well like there's Mm. and they build up a lot of stuff around like everybody has supper together at seven o'clock and they never go anywhere with that yep like, there's a lot of things that are very built up that don't end up going anywhere. Mm. Oh, another scene that I thought was good was the sheets. When yeah. When they were in the... There's an the, attic one as well, wasn't it? No, no, no. Um, They were in the Great Hall. Oh, yes. When they set up... <laughs> when they had to, all had to sleep in the, in the Great Hall. That's right. Yeah, because of the bugs in the ceiling. Oh, got the... Lo- uh, the um, Mealworms in the ceiling. Yeah. Oh. Yes, I had that. Ugh, I don't so like him gross. But that, but that's why it was so effective, though. Mm. It's so disgusting. Yeah, and, and that, um, actually, that, that's a bit where um, Miss Tanner and um, one of the other staff go up to the go up to the attic. That's yeah. our first time up in the attic, actually, to find it. And they open this creaky old container, and then they find the worms, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a really that's really well done as well. You think, oh God, what are they going to find in this container? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some, I, I think it's good that. I mean, he's really clever. You know, they they build up to a jump scare that doesn't come so that mm. you, the next time you're not sure if it's going to come you're or not. Primed. So that it's, yeah. yeah. And also, like, the build up of Sarah and Susie being so scared because the headmistress is right behind them, behind the sheets, mm. um, was really interesting. But I was, And I was like, you mean you didn't look? Mm. Like, you really didn't look? You were right there and you just slept there the whole night without even peeking? Mm. <laughs> There's no way, surely. No. Not those two. No, especially not not, uh, not, Sarah. not Sarah, who was a nosy person mm-hmm. and has getting no, all up in no, everyone's um, business. Yeah, no respect for boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And then there's that scene where they actually leave the um, confines of the school, and Susie goes to a university. That's so weird. 
it's it's so out of context. That and they seriously they must have had only a day to shoot because the wind is atrocious. Yeah, through the whole scene, like there was definitely ne- they were never going to be recording any sound on that set. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's weird. We meet the friend, which makes sense. But then the friend introduces Susie to a psychiatrist. Who no, no, no. He's the psychiatrist. The old guy is like a paranormalist expert. Anyway, yeah. So we have to have two people to tell her this exposition. It's um. It's very strange. The old guy, by the way, in the new movie. Sorry, this. Um, the, I, I know this. Yeah, is being I've, played by I've, Tilda Swinton, yeah. which is just fantastic. I didn't want to spoil people for it because I've been spoiled for it, and I was so disappointed because <laughs> I would have been thrilled if I'd seen it and then found out it was her and didn't yeah. know or something. It's been in headlines. Though. I know. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I know. I yeah, I thought it sucked that everybody was already. I, I can cut that out. Spoiling. No, it, I mean, it is everywhere. It's so hard to avoid. Mm. I was like, why would you tell everybody this before they see it? Mm. Like, wouldn't it be so much cooler to get to see that person and then find out afterwards that it was Tilda Swinton all along? Uh-huh. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did know that, that he was, that she, she was going to play that character. I'm sure she will do a much better job. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. They doubt her, they dub her as well. Oh, um, I hope they don't do that. But um, he's he like of all of them, his speech least matches his lip movement. Yeah. Um. But also like the way they shoot it is so strange. Like there's this normal two shot, and then it's like underneath his chin, mm-hmm. you know. And there's like sky behind him, and you're like, what? Why is this happening? They're yeah. they're like right you're in front, front of a, a building, wall. and then you're seeing like sky behind his head, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't at all. It's so. Mm. I mean, I don't know. It, maybe it's supposed to be disorienting, but it's so it, well, disorienting. But what the effect is that it feels amateurish. Like he didn't wasn't able to get all the shots he needed on his first go, and yeah. he had to reshoot some stuff later on against a different background or something. Yeah, and also everything that they're spouting is such nonsense and so hard to follow anyway. Yeah. There's that bit where the, the guy who is a psychologist is like, well, as a professor and a psychologist to boot, I think that it's ridiculous to believe in witches or whatever he says. Yeah. And you're like, what are you talking about? But here's the witch expert yeah, anyway to tell you all about how there's a witch in your ballet school. Yes, exactly. It's like just condense those two characters. Yeah. You don't need two separate characters in one scene outside the school that we never see again. Yeah, no, you That's don't. That's why I think it's bizarre that he doesn't show up at the end to like help her escape. Exactly. You know, that that would make perfect sense that it's a setup for him to come and help her escape at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But no... Nobody shows up. Nope. She just stabs the witch once and then just Le- leaves. Runs out the door and that's it. You've been watching Suspiria. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. There is one thing I want to say. I thought like the score oh. at the beginning of the movie was really through me. And by the end of the movie, I was so into it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That guitar riff, which is almost exactly the guitar riff from Footloose. Yeah. yeah. Um, Footloose is after this. So maybe yeah. they stole it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that guitar riff, I mean, it's just, three chords or something i'm sure it's yeah. not that hard to but anyway, but that um yeah the first time you hear it you're like wait what and yeah. then and then like you start to hear it and you're like oh, oh god yeah and the whispers and the way it shouts witch at you every so often is yeah. just really um the music was by the goblins and and mm. dario argento working together and it's i it was one of my favorite parts of the movie by the end of it mm. like mm-hmm. at the beginning of it i was like what the hell is going on and by the end of it i was like i love this music it's yeah. so great it just matches the movie so well perfectly and it's so bizarre and over the top and fun and the and I love wacky it. like sound mix they do where the mm. where they turn the volume right up at various points 
as it gets scarier, that just it's just so loud, bleeding your ears kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I also wrote about his use of framing and reflections and all these other things yeah. that were like, there's lots of really good film nerd stuff in here. Yes. I mean, the use of framing is particularly interesting the way that there's, there's especially at the beginning of the film, um, when she gets to the ballet school, that guy is in the back of every shot. Mm. Doesn't matter which way they're facing. It doesn't matter, like, what's going on. The guy will suddenly pop up in the back, like, dusting something mm. or carrying something or whatever. Yeah. Um, so. I thought they were setting him up to be much more important than he ended Me up too. Being. Maybe I was like, he's a really terrible actor and yeah. they cut his role halfway through. Maybe. Yeah, but I definitely thought something was going to be weird with him, like he was going to be running errands for the witch somehow. Or yeah. Something. And that's what it, it seemed to be setting up as well. Mm. I didn't quite get that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we should give this one a rating and then we'll be back for the listeners after like a few seconds to talk about the Luca Guadagnino Suspiria. But for us, it'll be a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, we should give it ratings as much as one can give a rating to something like this that's not going to be to everyone's taste but is also a kind of very important film. Yeah, and it's it's a very weird – it's a weird one to try and rate because it's like it's such a product of its time mm. and it's so weird to us. Yeah. But it's hard to think of what the audience might have expected – then and whether it would play differently to a european audience yeah i mean because this is you know um 1977 is sort of there's that's a very like naturalistic period in hollywood and like you're coming after like the main sort of works of alfred hitchcock and other sorts of thriller Mm. masters that are much more sort of understated but it's hard to kind of put yourself in the right shoes for it i do I, i mean it is one of those ones where they talk about how people were shocked by it at the time. Mm. Well, it's like for me, I'm just framing it in my mind as this is the year Star Wars came out. Yeah. Suspiria and Star Wars came out in the same year. Mm. And what they were doing with film is very different. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say three and a half stars. I don't think I can go above that because, God, the acting is just so awful and the dubbing is so awful that it just can't get past it. Yeah. But like the filmmaking technique is all there. Yeah. And there is a really cool story in the bones of this somewhere mm. that has interesting things to say about, like, weaponized femininity and, and stuff like that. You know, like the way that women interact with each other and, and that mm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That That's in this somewhere. Yeah. It's just not very well communicated, I think. Yes. And I will go for three stars because I, I just didn't enjoy actually watching it very much and it's hard to get through but again it's clearly no he knows what he's doing when it comes to horror yeah and how to build suspense and that kind of stuff is really well done and it's just so different to anything else that you've seen but also i happen to see some pictures of some other mid-century horror stuff like um some of the christopher lee dracula and things like that yeah and that sort of very stagey type set sort of thing is very that I saw actually saw the pictures from the Dracula film and I was like, oh, is that Suspiria? And they were just some film stills like of a, an, of another set that was very like sumptuous and the, the use of buildings and things like that. So I think there's a bit of that mid-century um, aesthetic in the way they were doing horror back then. It's a lot of closed rooms and old castles and things like that that they're using as points of reference. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember. I'm trying to place it also in like – what other movies were being made around the time and stuff because I think it's before mm. Halloween. 
Yeah, that's in about yeah, 1980, 78. So one year later. Oh, right. And Halloween really changed the game on, on horror. horror. Yeah. Um, and made it much more real and all that sort Between of the stuff. recording of this and the next one, I'll be watching the original Halloween as well. Yeah. Um, which and is the, the movie remake. I love. I love the original mm. Halloween. I think it's fantastic. But that definitely – so horror's in a different place at the moment to yeah. what we think of it as being now mm. because mm. Halloween was such a big game changer and like Friday the 13th and, mm. and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff, which is actually more, close, more similar to Suspiria in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. yeah, I think it, – It's uh, interesting. I just Googled – uh, films of 1977 and the first result that came up was the IMDb most popular films of 1977 number one is Star Wars number two is Suspiria there you go <laughs> it's also the same year as Close Encounters of the Third Kind Saturday Night Fever The Hills Have Eyes Annie Hall you like, can see that move that yeah. cinema was really changing <laughs> like, at that point at yeah. that like it was really experimental and you know it people was post were really exorcist yeah oh there you go okay yeah because exorcist is of course a classic and a, mm. another game changer but i think probably has more in common with this than something like halloween does mm. you haven't seen either right no no because exorcist i mean it is a bit more realistic but there's a lot more of the body horror and the kind of shrieky soundtrack and the the claustrophobic house and yeah and and it's because halloween like with the slasher and bringing it into like the real world mm-hmm. was a big change yeah I think, the, and that's more what I'm looking at with like Halloween versus something like Suspiria or mm. Poltergeist. Oh, um, not Poltergeist. Poltergeist is the 80s. The Exorcist. Yeah, I'm not that big a fan of The Exorcist to be honest. It's not my favorite, but you know everybody loves it. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's a kind of an interesting one to put in in its context, and definitely, um, if you do get a chance to see. And, and you're interested in it, that's something you really – you do have to do, but it's worth doing, I think, if you're very into film. Definitely see it on a big screen if you get the chance yes. because those colours are fantastic and definitely make up for a lot of the mm. shortcomings. Yeah, so the print that we watched is from 2016. They did a big restoration of it. Um, apparently some frames are missing, but they've been missing for a long time. But um, they did a big restoration in 2016 and it's touring around with various Italian film festivals if that's something that um, comes your way. And it looks really good. Looks, yeah. It looks wonderful, yeah. Um, it's a 4K restoration, I think. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to stop pause now and um, you'll hear us again in a few seconds after having seen the Luca Guadagnino version of Suspiria. And now we'll get into the dis- our discussion on the 2018 version of Suspiria directed by Luca Guadagnino, which we have just watched this afternoon after having seen the other one about a month ago. So uh, we'll do a bit of a spoiler-free segment um we'll try not to spoil this one or the earlier film uh even though they are quite different and then we'll warn you about spoilers uh for this one and for the other film um yeah um so i feel like maybe if you're a horror aficionado this is worth seeing if you're not a horror aficionado i don't know how much you'll get out of this movie um it's i don't know how much it adds to anything to be honest um and it's long it's really long it's it's tough to sit through but like you know if you're really into this sort of thing then i guess it's worth seeing for you personally i wouldn't recommend it to everyone 
Yeah, but I also, like, I don't know how much you get out of the older one if you're a not really a, an aficionado of either film or horror. But yeah, if you're an aficionado of film, there's a lot to get out of the original one, whereas this one, I think, maybe less. Mm. It is very long, as you say. I did find it a little bit more watchable than the older film in terms of it builds up backstory and it has some interesting like stuff about what was going on in society around in Berlin around the time of this, which is was interesting to me. But again, it was really long time, like possibly more than an hour. Um, I remember looking at my watch and realizing we were only an hour and a half in and really nothing super interesting had happened yet. I found it less watchable than the old one, but only because I found a lot of the stuff in the old one that was like bad, really entertaining. Mm. And then the stuff that was good was also entertaining. Whereas this one, when it was bad, wasn't entertaining. Yeah. It was just dull. So, so I, to, yeah. for me, and also the other one is, is so much shorter and so tight. Like yeah, so very You're tight. just like, oh, okay, we're getting into it and now it's done. Mm. Whereas this one, I was like, oh, my God, is something going to happen at some point? And then by the time it happened again, I'd already almost lost interest. Mm. So that was a problem for me. Yeah, right? so and I did like some of the added story i just felt it there was just too much yeah uh, so i think possibly i liked it a bit more than you did in terms of that because i yeah i enjoyed the added story i also enjoyed that we actually got to see some dancing i thought that was very interestingly used but yeah overall i didn't mind it i just it was so so long there was some good bits of building atmosphere it really does look like the 70s in a cool kind of way dakota johnson is a pretty decent actress i don't mind her tilda swinton is an excellent actress i really like her um as Madame Blanc. Yeah, it wasn't the I didn't have a problem with most of the performances. I thought Mia Goth was also really sweet as Sarah, mm. especially in comparison to the original Sarah. But I just it's too much. It was just too long. There was, it was and there was too long and it wasn't interesting enough to be that long. Yeah, and so much going on and like Chloe Grace Moretz in a really tiny part. Yeah. So I think overall, spoiler free, we didn't like it that much. I liked it more than Katie. It's, I found it more watchable. And yeah, it's sort of if you're into this kind of thing, you'll probably want to watch it. Um, if you're a fan of the original, I suspect you'll be disappointed. So we might go into spoilers now. Spoilers for this one and probably for the 1977 version as well. So if you haven't seen that one and you want to, um, perhaps wait wait on that one as well. Yeah. If, if I do cut that piece out, I, I just think it was unnecessary and pretentious. Like, it, I'm I mean, sure it was fun for her, but that seems like so a waste of resources to me to, like, spend all that time doing all that makeup and having her do that performance. And she's playing two roles as well. So she's got to do more acting time than Dakota Johnson. Yeah. And I don't know. That to me just – it just seemed – it was annoying to me when I was watching it. I was like – and all they just could have got an older actor to do this. But my feeling is if we hadn't known that, would it have felt like that? I don't know because I knew. I know. That's what I mean. Like if, if it had been a cool reveal after you saw the movie, mm. wow, Tilda Swinton also played that guy – it would have felt completely different to me. And also, I felt like we spent way too long with him. But like... Well, yeah, this is the other thing. I feel like perhaps he got more than he would have otherwise because she was playing him. I feel like he got... Uh, I, one of, okay, so one of my big problems with this movie in the terms of how it changed the original is how much more we're outside of the, mo outside of the, um, the Academy, mm. which really kind of breaks a lot of tension. This movie does not have the tension of the original in any way. Um, and so that for me was a problem just with the role in general. I think the role in general was kind of a problem. And it's so much story and everything for not really anything that ties into the main plot. 
Mm. All the stuff with his wife and everything doesn't really tie into the main plot that much. It doesn't really add anything. No. It doesn't really add anything. So I don't understand. Like, I thought maybe that he would be investigating from the outside more and then it would be more interesting. But they didn't really go down that path that much. And I was a bit perplexed as to why we were spending so much time with this guy. Mm. Um, if they'd cut the role down a little bit, it would have been fine for me. I don't. It doesn't bother me that she played him as well. I think because I think if we if I had seen the movie the way it was intended and then had the cool reveal afterwards that it was her, I would have appreciated that a lot more. Because mm. it, it really doesn't look like her. Like, no, no, it's, and, it's really good makeup. And I'm saying like as really good makeup who usually is quite good at recognizing people under makeup and in movies where they, you can't even see them without the makeup. Mm. But she does a really good performance and like it, it's such good makeup through the whole thing. I mean, I really think the makeup and prosthetics people were the absolute MVPs of this movie. Mm. Um, and so because of that, I don't mind it as much. I have bigger problems with the movie as a whole. Yeah. And most of that is is structural. So like I was completely on board with this movie right up until after the Olga kill. Yeah. I thought that was the most that was a really good. The most scene. creative death I've seen in ages on screen. So intense and so scary and like really confronting scary, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't get a break from that. And then we go back to it afterwards. Like you just don't get out of it. And it's really really good and really clever. And I appreciated that so much. And then it's ages before the next one. Mm-hmm. And in that time, absolutely nothing of interest happens. Yeah. Nothing. And I was, so it, it, it was a full, I think, half an hour before Mia Goth, before Sarah dies. Uh, it, it probably or, more. Yeah. Possibly more. I don't know. It right. was a long it's time. It's such a long time and it's so dull. And that's the point at which I just completely lost interest. Because it was when Sarah was rabbiting around downstairs and finding the hook and stuff yep. that I was like, oh, I've stopped caring. And uh, at some point in the last half hour, I've just stopped caring about what's happened now. Mm. And now we're getting back into the plot and I don't care what happens from now on. Yeah. And the thing is, I actually liked some of the changes that they made from the old one. I liked knowing more backstory. I liked that they made Susie ambitious. I don't like what they did with Susie. Ah, uh, See, but- I do. But I, here's why I don't like what they did with Susie. What annoyed me about her was that it was really obvious something else was going on from very early on, but she had this super fake naivety. And I'm like, this is the character I'm supposed to be following and caring about, mm. right? Like, and I stopped caring about her really early because she just seemed so, like, you know, there's a moment, I wrote it down, the, the line that she says, oh, about when she's in Berlin, Mm. And she goes, and I that think includes Berlin now. me now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, ew. And it felt very fake. And it is very fake, right? That's her putting on a, like, she's actually evil and she's putting on this role. I didn't find that fake. Like, I didn't have that same problem with her. Oh, I found I liked it. that whole Mennonite thing. I thought that was fun. Like, the whole, she's this Mennonite girl who's desperate to get out. And the fact that she still kind of wears... Isn't. But I – no, but I like that that's how they played her with all that backstory. I liked that stuff. That was oh. a great backstory. I thought that was a I, great – like, and I, I thought she did well. I didn't it – seemed, it didn't seem real. Mm. You know, it didn't seem like she was ever genuine in those moments. And she was much more genuine when she was, like, being intense and scary and stuff. Yeah, she, and some, I think that her was – Her audition on, is really good, very animalistic. Yes. 
And I think that's on purpose. Like, I don't think that's a flaw necessarily in Dakota Johnson's performance. I think because they expect you not to know what the big twist is. And I didn't know what the twist was, but I definitely was like, oh, she's a witch too or something. Like, really early because it seemed, it's just struck me as so fake and unreal. And her, and it meant that her relationship with Sarah felt very fake to me. Hmm. And yeah. so, because I was like, oh, she's faking, it, it feels like she's faking this. Yeah. And so, and that's what Im- gets you invested in the original, is the relationship between Susie and Sarah. And, and the sense that she's not faking being it. drawn, mm. exactly. And she's being drawn further in. And then she cares about what happens to Sarah. So she wants to know. Yeah. This one doesn't have that. And so there's nobody for me to connect with. And this is a problem I have in movies where there's nobody for me to connect with. As you know, if I don't sympathize and connect with somebody, then I lose emotional investment in the movie. Yeah, okay. I just liked her. I didn't have a problem. That scene you mentioned where she drags Susie into her room, uh, Sarah into her room and is like, now I live here. That did, did great a bit. But I was like, oh, that's just slightly weird behavior. I don't, I think it's just, and then they were talking about how much power she had and all that. And I was like, oh, she's a witch. Yeah. It just really was, that I, was I, obvious to me yeah, really early I, for I, some reason. Yeah. I knew I, it wasn't right. I don't know. But I liked her when she, like when that stuff snuck out, like when it was clear that she was, that she wasn't just this innocent little Mennonite girl. I liked those moments where her ambition flashed through. That stuff was great, I thought. but it was so long like I enjoyed it while I was watching it but it just it really did drag I I think if they had cut a huge amount of the stuff in between um Olga's death and Sarah's or neither Mm. of them die which is another problem I have well yeah not enough deaths (laughs) which is a weird problem to have but none of the no none of them till the end and even at the end they're kind of undone there's no stakes yeah I don't like the that it feels like he builds up atmosphere and I think he does a pretty good job of that. But it's not as scary because people aren't dead. We don't see them die and, and we don't – like there's no – there's not a single jump scare. There this, is. Is there? There's one and it's the weirdest jump scare of all time because there's a bit where Olga is leaving oh, and crying and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then it like builds and the t- music builds and then the, the woman in front of her just laughs and it's a – like it made me jump it's a jump scare yeah yeah a laugh jump scare and it's the only one in that to me is the pinnacle of the best part of this movie is olga's death yeah which happens 20 minutes in yeah and then for the rest of the movie nothing and there's there's not a lot of horror stuff in there is what i'm saying like and that is disappointing when this is a classic horror that you're going along so you just have that big grongignol ending which was not scary by that point i was like oh this is silly now no no, i'm not it wasn't it was gory that was it. And naked. Lots of naked. Oh, boy. <laughs> Gory and naked. So, uh, yeah. No, well, we, we watched a movie earlier today that is best known for having Chris Pine's penis in it, but this movie had way more penis, like twice as but, many yeah, penis but it was, for twice as long. Well, yeah, and one fake one. But yeah, well, true. One, to be fair, was fake. But like, I don't I don't get it. Like, it was just 10 minutes of gore and naked people. And yep. I get that they were trying to talk about dancers and dancers' bodies and women's bodies and blood and all that kind of thing. And definitely there's, like, lots of, co- of interesting essays in there about, you know, imagery and, and dances and the... But he doesn't, uh, like, to me, use imagery as well as um, Argento does. It's sort of, like, it's actually... It, that last scene is the only p- place where he actually uses Argento's colouring, style colouring. 
Everything else is just coloured as if it were actually in the 70s, quite beige. Yes. Well, I, see, I actually made a note early on when I was still making notes on the filmmaking and then I stopped. It, my notes are very obviously where you can see where I lost interest. But um, in, in the original you feel oppressed by the colour and in this one you feel by, oppressed by the lack of it. Mm. I think. Yeah. Which is fine. That's a good way to go, right? If he had done a little more with it and used colour more. Because mm. I, that's what I felt like. I had that kind of, you know, when we were watching um, that movie that you like with Daniel Brühl, Goodbye Berlin. Oh, Goodbye Lenin. Goodbye Lenin, yes. Yeah. That kind of East German, like, decay mm. and, and everything is very sparse and all that sort of stuff was what this kind of felt like to yeah me. like you go outside and there's graffiti everywhere and it's kind of everything's a bit run down mm. which is a good way to go as well mm. um but i felt like they didn't use that enough yeah and there's nothing that's like you know when the bugs come out of the ceiling in the first one? Oh my god that was so creepy right and it was so good yeah like i kept waiting was... for something like yeah, that to happen and... The only sort of reference to it was like a there was some worms at one point. Oh, that was in the um what I call the ring slash Anshan Andalou dream sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which were, you know, they were cool and interesting, but also like I don't know, I think not often enough or or too there was too much else in between before you got to those interesting bits. Well, this is the thing, and this is what I want to come back to about imagery, is that he doesn't use repetition enough. Hmm. The original film had so much repetition of this hallway, this like you know these images that you keep seeing, the hand, the, these things, so that they hmm. imprint on your psyche. Hmm. The hook thing was quite well done. Yeah, the this hook one, I, I think in this one was was the only thing they really had hmm. that was like a repeat imagery thing. Hmm. They didn't have a lot of imagery in it, and he didn't use repetition of imagery either. He didn't no. associate certain things all the time with the witches or anything. Mm. And also that repetition of the soundtrack in the original, which, by the way, this soundtrack does not match up. Not like, even wow. close. Um, I can see what he was trying to do, but no, this did not work. No, um, the, the original. The reason the original works well, it's got like a psycho style soundtrack where you get like loud bits that really like unsettle you. But over also over like ordinary imagery mm, mm. like when you're not expecting something to be scary then the soundtrack will ramp you up yeah, yeah. Um, and then it had that witch on the soundtrack that was so funny but so like yeah. it, you hear it all the time and it becomes part of the fabric of the film and there's not mm. anything like that here yeah i mean i do think this had much better performances mm. like across the board oh yeah yeah the girl who played olga was fantastic she was well, the really woman good. she was definitely older and not, maybe not, a contortionist? Well, yeah, the, her dance sequence stuff was – the, the sequence where she dies, yeah. her move movements were incredible. Yeah, it's the best part of the whole film. It's, yeah. it's like a, you can't not watch it, but it's so hard to watch. Yeah. But you're just sitting there going, God, what are they going to do next with mm. this? You know? Like, this crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's no. It's so good. It that is was, so – I know. If the whole know. movie had been stuff like building up to things like that, Man, it would have been great. Yeah, and and the, I'd gotten, I'd actually got a bit motion sick at the beginning, early in this movie, with the ca- but leading up to that bit. So I did, I found that especially hard to watch. But at least that made me feel something. Mm. Like at least that gave me something to focus on. And the the way that he used the camera in the beginning was so interesting. You know, there was the, all these the zoomy sh- stuff. Yeah, and dizzying shifts in perspective when yeah. you suddenly zoomed out and and you'd see that Blanc was watching, but like it'd cross the line and you'd be like wait, this isn't how film is supposed to go. And then you go, who's, oh, this is Blanc watching. You yeah. know, 
moving the perspective between them was really good at the beginning. And then mm. it just, it, it all kind of just lets go of that stuff. Yeah. Instead of keeping up with it. Yeah. The first probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes is much better than like the, the middle really drags on this Really one. drags. And then the end ending is just isn't great. <laughs> like God. And it goes on and on. God, it goes on. The scene where she, Dakota Johnson goes to the old man and then it's that is longer than you think it's going to be. And then then we get a little post-credit sequence yeah, as of well. Nothing. Of nothing. But it's just like so long. I don't know. Great. The only thing that I liked, that I really liked, that was so dumb, was watching them do the clean-up. <laughs> they had to clean the ritual chamber. That was one of my favourite bits. Like, that was so great. You, yes. No, I love that because you never see that, right? I know. Like, like it's just so weird and so like yeah. normalizing the insanity that yes. you just watched. No, I love that. I love that. That's so like it actually it feels like something out of like Shaun of the Dead or Zombieland or something. Like yeah. the actual practicality of having to like deal with cleaning up all these bodies and all this blood. Because <laughs> they've obviously had to do it. They're pretty good at it because obviously they have to do it when they drag Olga oh. out of the studio and stuff like that. And it's good. And I, I like that. That was a moment of like, oh, Thank God, there's like something funny in it. They've got some kind of sense of humor or some kind of, I don't know, self-reflection going on here. Yeah. And I would have loved it if that was a recurring thing in the movie. Actually, yeah. when, if somebody always had to go in and clean up after like the Olga death and yeah. stuff. And they're like, oh, we have to be on the blood duty again. <laughs> Cleaning yeah. up the blood duty. I'd be much happier than that with that than Mop like ladies. another. Well, like all, there was like this really long all one take shot of the staff having dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, two. There were two. Yeah, and they just like and they were to show you that um they could communicate subliminally or mm-hmm. um or Tilda Swinton and her main person could and like No, they were all talking. Uh, they all well had... I just saw like Tanner and, and It was it had no there there were a whole bunch of names that yeah. flashed anyway, up at the bottom. But like that and that so that was you know, that was useful to know that. You need to know that because you, it's it helps with the whole, you know, witches thing. But like it also went on really long mm-hmm. and we did we saw it more than once. Mm-hmm. And not in a good repetition kind of way. Mm-mm. No, yeah, that's the thing is that, and then you see them go. The girls go out of the of the house. Yeah, it's just they can just go out whenever they want. Mm. They can just leave whenever they want. Except Olga, <laughs> the only one who's ever stopped from leaving is Olga. Well, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I suppose Patricia, but like Patricia, it's so weird what they do with her because we don't understand even what happened. <laughs> no, she's just like wrapped in spider's web or whatever in the basement now. Yeah, I don't understand what happened. Oh, like, no. why didn't they? Why didn't we? Why didn't they show us the death scene of Patricia? And Patricia, Patricia, and the other one had such a great death scene. That first death <laughs> scene with the like, yeah, werewolf it, kind of until thing. she goes down a hallway that was in no way like with all the. Oh um, no, true, but I mean, like, it was, the, and you're like, where was that? I, I mean, like the bathroom window, bit yeah, yeah, of the, the bathroom death. window, and cool. and he he hints at it too early on. He there's all these shots through the, through windows. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ooh, maybe, ooh, maybe it's going to happen. And there's even a bit where it's nighttime and um, Susie and Sarah go to the window and it's raining. You're like, ooh, maybe, maybe. He doesn't use the weather in the same way either. Like the original, her turning up in the dark, in the rain at nighttime, that was really effective. Like, yeah, and the this, build of mystery. Yeah, the idea of this young American, innocent American girl arriving in the middle of the night and it's pouring rain and they won't let her in and it's like – that, that sort of adds to the tension in a good way. Whereas this one, it was raining when she arrived, but there was no trouble with her arriving. No, no issues around it. And there's, no build, there's no mystery. It also uses – it's also raining, I think, at the end, which, again, is quite – like it makes it just more – it feels a bit more oppressive, the whole thing. Even without comparing the two, I feel like even if I hadn't seen the original, I'd just be sitting there like, I don't – Oh, I God, really... if I hadn't seen the original, 
I would I don't even know what I would have made of this. I really just clocked out. Like I have probably two thirds of my notes are before Olga dies and uh. one third is after. All right. I definitely kept making notes, largely just to kind of keep me on track, give me something to do. So I didn't – yeah, I, I don't know. And also my notes get worse because in the original I've got – I mean, in the beginning I've got all this stuff about like the shaky zooms and pans and there's this – oh, there's this shot of um, – I think it's actually just after Olga dies. Mm. When Dakota Johnson's in her room and Tilda's in the bathroom and it just cuts to this shot of her behind her that's super creepy and scary. Mm. Yeah, and it look it it like it it um does that effect where sudden where um Tilda looks like she's right behind Dakota even though when we cut back to the other shot you can see that she's still in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool and effective, and that yeah. really kind of gives you the idea of how the magic works and all this stuff. And she, that's right, she like blows something or something like that, and and Dakota Johnson's hair moves. Yep even though she's far away and it looks like she's right. And it's so cool. And it's Mm-mm. like all that stuff. I feel like he put all this effort into the beginning and then it just kind of loses its way for a lot of the well, middle. Yeah, I mean, it does lose its way. It, he's certainly putting a lot of effort in. Like, you know, even the graffiti, the graffiti all says something. Like the one about, about the front says freedom for political prisoners and mm. there's um, solidarity with Palestine and all this kind of stuff. And I still kept making notes about all the little efforts he was putting into it. But literally but that was that, all I had to pay attention to. What does that have to do with the main plot? Well, oh, I the couldn't whole, figure like, out how it ties well, in. See, I actually thought it was interesting, the whole like what was going on in Berlin in 1977 and clearly this Baden-Meinhof terrorist group thing was going on at that time. And also like the country's still very much dealing with the aftermath of the war in a more visceral and, and immediate way than it is now. So I don't know, that right. was interesting to me. But what does that have to do with this movie? Oh, it, it kind of shows the, like, if she were this innocent little farm girl, like the world that she's coming into here is an interesting place to go in 1977, to choose to go but to why Berlin. Why do we keep coming back to the what's going on with the terrorists and stuff? What does that have to do with the main plot of the movie? Is it supposed to be symbolism? Because I don't see the symbolism between the terrorists and the witches. I like. I feel like there's a connection that I'm not understanding. Yeah. Is um, there? Because I, I, maybe I, well, I, I think feel the... like I'm being dumb and I'm missing something that's obvious that I should be getting. Because otherwise, yeah. why do we keep learning about this stuff? Well, I think it's relatively tenuous, but I think the fact that they can – get rid of Patricia by writing her off as a terrorist. Like that in, in the way that in an earlier generation, if you called a woman a witch, that destroyed her credibility. And that sort of like, you know, the use of once you cry terrorist and claim someone is a terrorist, then there's no coming back from that. But they he sees that poster, but nobody says anything about it. Yeah. And it's also not like – it's barely in there. mm and they talk a lot about Patricia, but we barely saw her. Oh, it's and very we definitely annoying. didn't see her do any terroristy things. It's such a waste of Chloe Grace Moretz. It is because she gave such good crazy right at the beginning. Uh-huh. She's just like so. Like I would watch her. I, yeah. That's the thing. I would find her a more relatable, interesting protagonist. I don't find Susie a very relatable, interesting protagonist. And I think it's. I think that it is because they foreshadowed too heavily <laughs> that she's evil, and so. I was already like, oh, she's hiding something. And if I'm, if she's my vessel into the movie, I should know what she's hiding. Yeah. Well, clearly I didn't pick that up as well as you did. So therefore I wasn't quite as like, oh, this is too obvious. So I didn't have that 
problem. So to me, when things started happening, I was like, oh, she's ambitious. Oh, this is fun. This is an interesting character. So I didn't have as big a, an issue with that, but that's because I obviously I was able to better spend my disbelief or whatever, um, or I just am a bit more like I wasn't as smart at picking that up. So yeah, I, I didn't get so bothered by that. I kind of liked her and I just thought, I just know I liked her. I thought she was fun. I was much more able to attach to her than I was to Jessica Harper in the original, even though she's very sort of you oh, know, anime eyes engaging, but she, I had I just, the opposite because, yeah. like, I felt like she genuinely cared about something. Like, she genuinely cared about her friends there. She genuinely wanted to find out the mystery of what was going on. You know, she yeah. – because – okay, so I, in yeah, the okay. original, we're going on a journey with Susie. We come in and there's this mystery that starts almost immediately. Why is she not allowed in? Why does she have to go to the hotel? Then, you know, suddenly um, she does get the room at the hotel and mm. she can't stay with Olga anymore and then – Sarah is dragging her into this thing and she's going along on it with Sarah. And then you feel the hopelessness of helplessness of her when she's stuck in that bed, you know. All mm. that sort of stuff is like even though she's not a great actress and it's not a great performance, the storytelling is there for us to be in her shoes and care and want to know what's going on. Mm. Susie doesn't isn't interested in any mysteries that are happening. So we don't have a point of view character for the mystery, except for maybe Klemperer, which is a weird point of view character since he's outside and we yeah. don't, we're not with him most of the time. No, that is weird. See, I don't know. I related to her, like, but she, she tries to like, she plays the politics, right? But she's, the place. Not in, she's not investigating. She's not going into the... No, like, she's trying to work her way up through the ranks of the um, cover. That was cool. But if that's the story, then I can get into it. But with... We as the audience want to know what's happening. We as the audience aren't going in for a movie about an ambitious dancer who wants to climb to the top of an academy. We're going, what the fuck is going on? Right? Well, but that's the thing. You're going in for this movie about this innocent girl who's sent off to this place and she doesn't know what's going on. And then halfway halfway through it, you find out that actually this girl isn't what you think she is. And she's But then who are we supposed to care about? Why wouldn't follow? I care about someone trying to do that though? Because she's not interested in the sto- in the story. She's not part of the story that's happening. She doesn't <sighs> even go talk to Clemper. Sarah doesn't tell her anything. She's not following the breadcrumbs along. She's not the No, she doesn't care about any of that. It, like she's who's interested the protagonist in the protagonist of this movie. You're right. That's it's, a problem. I think it's Madame Blanc. Yes. I'm fairly certain the protagonist of this movie who makes things happen most of the time is Madame Blanc mm. or Klemperer. It's not Susie yeah. who is supposed to be our protagonist. Yeah. But we're not – we also then don't relate to Madame Blanc. I think if it had been more of a focus on like a battle of the wills between Blanc and Susie mm. of like – Susie trying to hold on to her innocence and Blanc trying to corrupt it, but at the end it turns out that that's not the case, mm. which I think they were going for a few times. Yes. Then it would have been more interesting. Mm. Or if they had gone, this is a mystery and we're trying to figure out what's happening, it would have been more interesting. But they, it's a mess. Mm. They don't do either of those things. And so you're left going, who am I following? What's going on? Who's my protagonist? What is the story of this film? Mm. Which is the problem that I was having. Why are we talking about terrorists when there are witches? Why aren't we talking about the witches? Why isn't anybody trying to figure out what's going on with the witches? Oh, Sarah is. Oh, Sarah's gone. (laughs) Who are we following now? (laughs) Yeah. 
who are we following in this film? No, I, I, I get where you're coming from. So this is why I completely lost interest I in think that I, middle section. Yeah, no, uh, fair enough. I just kind of, I kind of got dragged along a little. Like, yes, I definitely thought it was way, way, way too long. But I don't know. I kind of just went with it, I think, in a different way than you did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, I'm, I'm trying to look through my notes and there's so many up until Olga's death. And then after it, they and they get worse. They're like, little owl lady. <laughs> and she's Amish. Where'd she learn to dance? And lesbians everywhere. She explains that. The library. Yes. I was like, okay, sure. Um, what other ones? And, the, yeah, the ring unshined and the loo thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At one point, um, when she's having the nightmares and Sarah comes in and she goes, we're like sisters now. And I'm like, we're sisters. We're close from um, <laughs> Rent. Oh, right. Okay. When they say that in Rent, because I was like, this is very lesbian-y. Very lesbian-y. Not, and not just those two, yeah. Oh, my God. The lesbian undertones of Blanc and Susie were off the charts. Big They time. weren't undertones. They were overtones. Yeah, yeah. And that would have been really interesting. Well, I mean, even early on, one of um, Chloe Grace Moretz's early lines is, they'll pull me apart and then eat my from the table. Like, it was a really weird construction. It was. Eat my on a plate maybe yeah something like that oh uh, it was very very weird anyway yeah the the lesbian stuff was very played up in this um mm-hmm. and this and i mean all and there were no male teachers at all as well like all of the teachers were women um there weren't any male teachers in the beginning there's only in the first one there's, no, only there's the a boy, piano there's player the piano yeah so there are men who but then there's also a man who like the son the adopted son yeah, is yeah, there that's right and there's and also there's a man, male dancers yeah there are male dancers and there are um there's a like a maintenance guy as well who comes. He isn't. He's a dancer. Yeah. The maintenance guy is also. Right. Oh no. Oh, you mean the creepy guy? Oh, him too. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they're they're involved as well. So it's less like a coven of women, which is is a little bit different. But you just made me think about the dancing. This one, the original uses ballerinas. This one is about contemporary dance. dance, which I loved the dancing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I thought the no, dancing it was, was the best it part. Was, well, or one of the best parts. Well, I thought it made more sense to have them be a contemporary dance company. Like it's a bit more, it makes them seem avant-garde. It actually gives them that sort of sense of uh, alienation because they're witches and, you know, like they're doing this kind of dance that's not I, as I popular or, or well understood. I, yeah. I, I, I thought it suited the movie to have contemporary dance as the style because – the jerky movements as well were really good and allowed you to have that death like Olga's. I think it suited this one. I think the old one was going for a more traditionalist witch's approach. Mm. And also that one had the, the innocent Susie. So you had yes. this girl who's done ballet all her life and she's this American kid and she's on an adventure. Um, also her story, I mean, there's more backstory in this one, but Susie's story just makes, the original Susie's story just makes more sense. She got accepted into a dance company. Off she goes to the dance company. This one, you're like, she shows up for an audition from America. And then she shows up for this audition Uh that she might not get. And then she's just accepted on the spot. And off she goes. And then she's dancing lead on the spot. And you're like, what? Witchcraft. Right, exactly. Because she's a witch. And it's really obvious from the beginning that she's playing people. (laughs) This is what I mean. Like, I just, and then who do you go for? Like, who are you going with? No, I, I it, it felt like it was all from the perspective of somebody else watching it yeah. happen, who we don't get, like, yeah, yeah. from our perspective, but you need somebody in it. Mm. I, I, yeah, when this happens in movies, I think I notice it more because I need somebody to relate to, to yeah, go through you the movie do. with. Yeah. Because I don't feel like I'm in movies. I need somebody to be my proxy, um, which is the same problem I had with Dunkirk. 
So with this movie, my problem is because I don't have a proxy, I notice Mm. that everything is like choppy and doesn't make sense because I'm not with anyone. Mm. I'm just sort of floating around. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just saw in my notes the most lesbianic moment between um, Madame Blanc and Susie. When Susie does something, I can't remember what, it's in the rehearsal room, Madame Blanc goes, you looked. And then she gets a cigarette, long drag on the cigarette. And then she never finishes the sentence. She just like looks her up and down. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing. It definitely seemed like it was building up like a a romantic relationship Mm. between them, which would have been fascinating. Like, I'm here for the movie where two witches who, like, and, you know, um, Blanc thinks she's corrupting Susie mm. and she's fighting with this kind of, am I corrupting her kind of idea? And then in the end, it turns out that she's, you know, yeah. that that's an interesting story by itself. Yes. Without all the other nonsense. And then there's a battle of the wills. Susie's like, I know who I am when she screams that out and, like, mm, mm. you know, I am an innocent person and all that sort of stuff. But then it turns out that, yeah. Would be really interesting. Mm. But they're pl- not playing it like that. They're playing it like it's a mystery about what's happening. Mm. And, you know, so you're just jumping around all the time. But, yeah, there's there's stories in here that I would be interested in if they were presented better. Mm. There's a, Actually, I, I feel like the all the good stuff is, is right up front. There's a um, – as they go through Susie's house, the creepy house in the middle of the field. Oh, yeah. It pans up a plaque on the wall. And about mothers? Oh, and I can't God. Remember oh, it's like, yeah, mother is the only person in the house who... She can be anyone but can't be replaced by anyone or something. Yeah. Fill all roles or can't be replaced by yeah, anyone or something was... like that. Ugh. But no, but it, see, that's foreshadowing for who Susie is. Yes, yes. Which is really interesting. I also thought that the for a movie with so much good makeup work, Susie's mother looked like she was about 30 or 40. She is. She is only about 40. Oh, okay. And she just had like, and, and she makeup. has a thirty-year-old daughter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was like, what? yeah. Because <laughs> why is she so young? Yeah. It, and it, why is she dying like this? Like that young? Like what is she dying from? Consumption. But she's she's clearly dying from her daughter being evil. Um, that's what oh. she was dying from the whole time. Her daughter's evil. Yeah. Apparently that kills you. Yep. But also, uh, ah, that's the other reason why I thought Susie was creepy, and I actually thought her mother might be evil because. You know the breathing? Yes. That's the whole conceit with Marcos in the begin in the original. In the original, yeah. Which is like she has that creepy breathing and that's how they know it's her behind curtains and yeah. stuff. So she so inherited I, it from her creepy mother. Right, which I was like, "Oh, the that family is creepy because they're using that con- that mm. conceit with the mother." Yeah. Um that she has the creepy breathing, like that was a connection for me. So maybe mm. I just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to puzzle things together too much, but yeah, when she comes in and there's all those big shaky zooms and pan, like the, um, I swear when Tilda Swinton first walks towards the camera, he does that zoom pan thing, mm, yeah, to make the background come with her. Uh he does that on a number of occasions. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that was when I noticed mm. it. I also thought the room where they do the auditions and stuff with all the mirrored walls, I was like, those aren't good mirrors for dancing. No, you can't see yourself, but that's kind of the point. It's a room to kind of lock you in there and, and, and make it hard to. Yep. I mean, practically for a dance studio. Mm. <laughs> I was like, that's not that's not a very good dance studio. That's not a very good audition place. No. Yeah, so I, I wrote, my one of my first notes is, the naivety is a lot and it's an act. Oh, when right. she says that includes me now with the Berlin thing. Oh, right. Because it was just too... It it wasn't 
similar to how she was behaving before. Mm. And it was just too cheesy, I think. And she does that a lot with Sarah. She mm. goes into like a different persona mm. where she's like cheesier and sillier. And then she does, she has like different personas depending on who she's interacting with, mm. which is very not the main character of a movie-ish, you know? Yeah. Like we don't know who she is, so why are we still with her unless that's the whole point, which then we keep going out of her perspective. So, mm. oh, yeah. Um, the the studio where they do most of the um the rehearsing rehearsing is called the Iris Studio. Oh right, to yes, reference the first one. Yep. yep, I noted that her that Dakota Johnson's hair looks bad. Yeah, the red was like not quite the right color for her skin. No, and it looks there's frequent it frequently looks fake, Mm-mm. especially in that plait that yeah, she has. Yeah. It just doesn't look like unless it's not a wig, right? No, because you can see her scalp in the overheads. Could be a wig. Maybe. There is wig work in it, so. Like, I wouldn't surprise me if it was a wig. I actually did think it was a wig. Yeah. I wanted to know if Dakota Johnson has done dancing before. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. And whether or not the woman who played Olga was a contortionist. She looks like she could be one. And that would explain how they did the death scene. That's true, yeah. I just assumed they'd use, like, I mean, prosthetics, but you're right. But no, but when her arm was wrapped around herself in a weird way for most of the thing. Yeah. And I think that, like... It's all possible if she is a contortionist. I was like, I was so impressed with her. I was just couldn't stop watching. I was like, this is so great. And yeah, it didn't yeah. look like it didn't look like CG. It looked real, mm. which is why it was so good. So I think she might be a contortionist. She looks like she might be. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wrote Naked Puppet Man and lots of references to periods. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, like endless like, references to periods. Yes. Yeah, so even when she's like they show her on the toilet and she's going to give a urine sample, but I was like, oh, she's putting a tampon in. Nope. Given a urine sample. I was distracted because I, well, I, I... I was distracted by... She's clearly wearing a um, one leotard. of those leotards that snaps together at the crotch. Yeah. I was like, she's no. not going to pull her undies down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was... It, no, she pulls it aside, Yeah, I yeah. Think. And, and I was, I was like, like, what oh, is happening? And I was right. like, oh, yeah, exactly. So I was more distracted by that than what was happening in the movie. I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Yeah. I do feel like this is like a lot more male gazy than the original, which is big weird. Big I mean, time. Okay. Big time. They, the way they sexualize Dakota Johnson, especially when she's dancing. Mm-hmm. Before I fuck this up, is Luca Guadagnino gay? I don't I think he is. I, I don't know, actually. Based on some interviews that I read around the time that um, uh, uh, Called like, By yeah. Your Name came out, which I, of course, I would guess a lot about. that, but that's a, I don't want to mess that up either. Well, let's find out. Yeah, he's gay. That's what I thought. So... Why is it so male Casey then? I, like, I know. It's, it's, it's so, yeah. And he also, I mean, on that note, on the note of him being gay, it is kind of like he's exploring an alien species That's, with yeah. women bleed and their bodies do weird things. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that, that women are so, like, that's the thing. This I hate this because I've been railing against the idea a bit recently. But it really needed a female perspective on this movie. Mm. Like, they, he could have really used a woman to be a writer or a director or a producer or something and go, this is a little weird what you're doing here or something like that. Well, because yeah, so, cause so... some of those lesbian vibes come from, like, the fact that they dress them in very little and... Well, well Adam Monk's always wearing lo- long, swoopy things, but but Dakota Johnson particularly, like she wears less and less clothes as the movie goes on, and then those weird macrame red outfits that they wear for the performance, they're very revealing. 
we had a mid-movie conversation about that, which is bad, but I mean, God, I was so bored. Um, but like, I was like, this doesn't, this seems very modern. I feel like in the 70s, they weren't doing a lot of performances in nearly naked. No. That seems like it's something yeah, it's, that, and I, I it miss, felt too modern, I modern got, dance. Yeah, I got confused because I was like, that's macrame. That is very much the 70s. But yeah, you're right. They, yeah. It is very modern to be like wearing, you know, just sort of undies and some string. Yes. And I don't. Like, I think it's great, you know, if there's a dance that's, like, choreographed by women and everything that's, that's um, celebrating women and stuff and and you get to see how their bodies move in that kind of detail mm. as long as it's not sexualized. Mm. And I didn't think that the way they shot that dance was, but the rehearsals were. Mm. The actual dance itself, once they were in the outfits and the makeup and stuff, didn't actually seem that sexualized. No, 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 but the rehearsals were very even much though that it way. was about like periods and rebirth and all that sort of stuff yeah um it still was not it seemed a lot more respectful it seemed like they actually respected the art of modern dance and i quite like contemporary dance yeah and i that's why I said the dance stuff was really good and we got a lot of it like in the original you get like you get maybe two dance classes then she gets sick and you never see any more dancing again and i like the way they use rhythm and stuff like that yep. it was almost um like and the sound um, between the different floors of the building what's that dance style where they the um the hip-hop dance style where they do all the um stomping and clapping and banging and stuff to make the music oh which i really like it and i feel bad that i can't remember it right now um maybe it is just called stomping mm. anyway it's a great <laughs> it's a great yeah. dance style but it reminded me a bit of that that they were using and in the actual performance they used breath Mm. Like that you could hear their breathing as part of the rhythm of the dance. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, but it didn't juxtapose as well, I thought, with Sarah discovering the bodies, the mm. creepy zombie bodies. Of... Not not nearly as well as the earlier Olga death thing. Yeah, that could have been done so much better. Yeah. Because she goes down there and it has um like spiderwebby wire things up on the wall mm. that recollect the wire thing where yeah. the original Sarah died. And Which is like, so oh, scary. cool, we're going to have a cool death. And she has like a gross broken leg thing happen. Yeah. It's but then weird. she goes and dances on her gross broken leg thing. <sighs> oh, <laughs> something I didn't real, um, notice but read afterwards. Apparently in that scene, Sarah and Susie switch eye colors. Oh, okay. So up until that point in the movie, Sarah had had brown eyes and she has blue eyes when she comes back, like she comes oh, in as the zombie. She definitely has, yeah, her eyes are definitely different, yeah. And then, but but I didn't, yeah, I thought her eyes looked different, but I thought it was just because she was like zombified now. Yeah. And then, yes, me too. And then, but they actually switch eye colors. Susie had blue eyes up until oh, then and okay. has brown eyes for the rest of the movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, without like the big hyper focus on that, who's going to notice that? Nobody. <laughs> That was weird. <sighs> yeah, this is a very exhausting movie. Yes. Oh, there was a... Okay, the only direct comparison that I did get was when Klemperer was inferring that witches are Nazis. Mm. And I was like, what? What? Like, okay. I, th- I actually liked the witches as terrorists analogy much better because yes. it's like they work in secret cells and um, they're often people who've already been rejected by society and it's easy to discredit someone by calling them a terrorist. I also thought it was interesting... Um, it's just the character's name in the original, Pat, Patricia. But I think it's interesting to have a young American girl in the 70s who goes off with a terrorist group because that's um, Patty Hearst very mm. famously did that. So that was interesting too. 
It could have been interesting if they'd done anything with the character or yeah. the storyline. Yeah, that made that was her going like, on politically there. engaged. Or, um, yeah. or followed her in the, as the protagonist. Anybody else? Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that we could care about them instead of well, for me. Um, but but I thought witches and Nazis. I was like, that's not really at all no. what this movie is doing. It's to me. No, it's kind of the opposite, really. Like, well. I mean, but they're not persecuted either. The witches aren't persecuted in this movie by anybody. No. Nobody is trying to persecute them. They're just there and powerful. But they only have power over the people. This is something that I thought was kind of a problem in the original as well, is like, what are they doing with their witchiness? Well, yeah, this is the thing. Like, <laughs> I, Clemperer, who at certain points was set up to be like the blind piano player in the original. Yeah. It's like, why didn't he die? They they should have showed him dying somewhere out in the city or whatever. Like, because he's the yeah. second protagonist. Yeah. Him and Blanc, Ugh. the two Tilda Swinton characters. Yep. Um, really, like, but yeah, I, I, nobody is, I mean, I don't understand what they're doing with their power. Mm. Like, why be a witch? What are they getting out of it? Chloe Moretz at the beginning is like, oh, at at first it was so great because we could talk to each other in our heads and something else. Yeah, we had good dreams or something. Yeah, but they had nightmares for ages. Yes, I I know. It doesn't make sense. And, yeah, they're not not using it for power Mm. or money except to, like, keep this dance studio alive, which seems to be Blanc's passion more than anybody else's. Marcos doesn't seem to have Look, anything but, to do uh, with it. The thing is, I didn't understand why there were witches in the first one either. Like, it just but you doesn't didn't understand anything matter. in the first one, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the first one, I feel like all of that's all... The first one is kind of this pure story of Susie goes there, tries to find out what's happening, stops it from happening. Mm. That's it. Anything else doesn't matter. But this one makes so many things matter, but doesn't follow up on any of them, that you're like, but why were we following that? Mm. Whereas in the original, we don't follow any other stuff. No. It's just straight down the line. That is true. That is accurate. Yeah. So, yeah, it just bothers me more in this one because they keep setting things up that they don't follow through on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of my notes is, oh, there's the red. I was like, Mia Goth should be in more horror movies. She has a great horror movie scream I was, and a good horror movie face. I wrote that too. She's a great screamer. I'd love to see her in a horror movie. Yeah, And no. plus, you know, I was I cared about her. Yeah. <laughs> And it wasn't I, – I don't want to blame Dakota Johnson for this because I think her performance was fine. I think it's just the way that the character's written so that they can have a big twist at the end. Yeah. She's not worth caring about. And also because, like, she obviously already knows what's going on, so she never follows a mystery, so it's not there. Mm. I wrote, and I thought the first ending was bad G's <laughs> in the middle of the – and the music that juxt – like – you can really cleverly use cheery music to juxtapose against a horrifying image. Mm. But that one was just strange. It wasn't really cheery. Mm. It was very melodic and pretty. And the lyrics were about her rebirthing. So there's that repeat of that imagery. Yeah. But like over the top of what we were seeing was strange. It made no sense. Yeah. Um, that death monster was cool came up out of nowhere oh yeah i know but by that point you're just sort of i think at that any, point though i was just like oh when are we finishing yeah and any grongunyol ending for a movie has to be done really carefully because once you see the monster it's not scary anymore yep also it reminded me a little bit of mother oh yeah especially yep. when dakota johnson was tearing her own chest open and it had mm. all the which then didn't go anywhere no nope. i don't know what that was about but um, it, that reminded me a bit of Mother. And again, it was it's this kind of men looking at women and what women represent in society and not understanding it. 
and only understanding it in relation to themselves. Yeah. I'm just like it was just oh anyway I just nobody has a shower after that oh yeah no everybody walks around with their um bloody faces faces. but I just saw in my notes I managed to capture um Tilda Swinton's last line before she dies which she has a good death but then survives it but her last line is and I just think it sums up the whole movie this isn't vanity this is art (laughs) was it yeah I've just I yeah it's in my notes oh god. The, yeah, that does seem like what this movie is. I'm trying to do art, and you're like, yeah, it's not really working, buddy. Uh, <laughs> it's I mean, just not it's, putting it together. And it then, may be, but oh. Yeah. And then after that, the, um, Susie says to Clemper, "I'm going to take away the memories of every woman of your undoing, because women are the prob- source of problems for men, as we know from *A Star Is Born*. And also, like, then she takes away the memories of his wife. Mm. Why? What a horrible thing to do. Yeah." Well, he loved she, his wife. See, I read that as he was there undoing, and so therefore he took away the memories. But therefore she took away his memories. But it no, was... she says I'm going to as a like because I feel bad for you. Oh. I'm taking away all the terrible memories of the women who were your undoing. Yeah, and that those were me and these other women and your wife. Who was not a woman of his undoing. No, she did nothing the other, wrong. In fact, it's the other way around. She died because he had her papers and she couldn't get them and find them in time. That was, to me, that was why it was looking at the end. Oh, right. Yeah, because she, well, yeah, I couldn't figure out what exactly happened there. Yeah, it seems like she couldn't get her papers and so she got carted off to a camp and she was trying to get out. And But where, like, and he, had he is, run away at that the, point or was he just not around when it happened? Yeah, and the witches clearly blame him for it. It's 1943, you should have gotten her out earlier kind of thing. Oh, yeah, you had heaps of time to, yeah, yeah. to so get her out that, of Berlin. But she had already left by that stage from what I could tell no, from the... No, she hadn't. And she, she, she says at some point, I went back to the apartment and I couldn't find my papers. No, but that's not real. Oh, that's him. That's his... the fake Ankamaya as played by Jessica Harper. Right. But... Which only I only noticed because she smiles at one thing. Is that not part of the real no, story, though? But... I don't think no, so. No, I, yeah, I know she's fake, but, like, the witches know what happened to her, and so he, that could have been part of the story being fed to him. Okay, well, we I can't mean, know yeah. then. No, we don't. Because it's it's implied that that's just... But because just the fact that he's looking at her passport thing at the end yeah, to me so makes me think that she really couldn't find them and he had that and he tried to they missed, missed each other or whatever yeah I, I i it seems like it could have just as easily been an accident right yeah okay as his fault exactly yeah, yeah. like but it is very hard to tell because and it would make more sense his desire to save patricia if he had other women he was unable to save earlier right if that had been a part yeah. of the story that had been developed um, yeah. But, yeah, too many characters and they tried to put in too many stories and didn't realize. Yes. We've been talking about this forever. Yeah, I'm it's been done. an hour. We're done. So let's give it a, a grade and then wrap up. I don't – I think I'm going to say two and a half stars, which seems low for the potential that the movie showed at the beginning. But for the boredom that I was – the level of boredom that I was at at the end, I, I don't see why I could give it anything better. It's really funny because you really hated it and I, like, kind of hated it. And I'm giving it two and a half as well because oh. it was boring and so long, just so long. And it has so much filmmaking promise, yeah. which is where I think well, the two is, and a half yeah. stars are. And this is the thing, like Luca Guadagnino is the like Italian cinema's current sort of, yeah, he's the current like champion of Italian cinema, right? And so he's gone back to his one of his predecessors and wanted to remake this classic and you sort of, you hope for something better. You want someone mm. who's such a good filmmaker who made – 
call me by your name. Like you want that guy and to do something new and interesting and original with it. And call me by your name is such a mood piece that it's strange that he couldn't maintain the mood in this. Yeah. Like especially for a film that is uh, the original is all about atmosphere. Mm. All right. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, uh, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you would like to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.